Our summer has been full of adventures. It's been full of travel. I have been listening to all of you talk about all the places you've been. It's been amazing. You've been to places like the beach, the lake, the national parks, the amusement parks. You've been all over our country and you have been all over outside the country. As far as cruising through this summer, I think we've done very well. We may have a few more days for some of us, a little longer for others of us to finish out our summer. I have enjoyed looking at this cruise video every week. Every week I see something different in the video. It's been a lot of fun for me. Just out of curiosity, how many people have ever been on a cruise? Yeah, okay. How many people have been on a cruise and can't wait to go back on another one? Okay, okay. How many people went on a cruise one time and that was plenty? Yeah, that's a little bit of both, I understand. I imagine if we had six people and we took those six people and we put them on a cruise ship and we took that cruise ship to the exact same place. If you asked all six people about their experience on that cruise, I think you would get six different opinions because we all experience things differently, don't we? We have different perspectives. We hang on to different words, different images. That's how we make sense of things differently. And so if we experience our trips and our summers differently, it should be no surprise to us that scripture describes things differently in different perspectives using different images. More specifically, in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew takes an opportunity to use six different opinions, images, and perspectives to describe one thing. Matthew takes an opportunity to describe to people what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he uses six different things for absolutely no reason. There's no overarching umbrella that connects all six images together. He just uses six. He wants to offer a different way for different people. And so let's read it together. Matthew 13. You can read along with me on the slide. You can get out your real Bible or you can get out your phone. Matthew 13 says this. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nest in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until it was all leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and reburied. 
Then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. And when it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down and put the good into baskets and threw out the bad. So it will be the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be great weeping and gnashing of teeth. If anyone has ever said to you, weeping and gnashing of teeth, this is one of the places in scripture it comes from. Have you understood all this? And they answered, yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out the treasure, what is new and what is old. Again, in these series of six parables, the kingdom of heaven is being described. Other gospels call it the kingdom of God. It's the same thing. And the six images all are very self-contained, self-explanatory, and yet sometimes a little confusing. We have this mustard seed, something small that can grow into something huge. We have yeast, something every day. It's in every common household. And so the yeast represents something that can be used good or something that can be used for evil in Scripture, and God is using it for good. We have this hidden treasure, and the hidden treasure is something you don't even know you need. You don't even know you want it. You're going about your day, and all of a sudden, something pops up and leads you into a greater sense of faith. It's a hidden treasure. And then we have the pearl. The pearl's nice. The pearl has this insatisfaction within us because it's something we've been seeking. It's an answer, a person. It's a solution of some kind that we have been seeking out and looking for. Please, God, give me an answer. And the pearl is what we find. And then we have the net. And the net is a little more complicated, but essentially, for our purposes, the net is something that can catch all. No one is excluded from the net. And then, of course, we have this last one. And again, it is a little more complicated. But this household treasury is something that Matthew is using to say, we are the treasury. We're the household. And he goes on to say, we are the scribes. And so those who are scribes need to tell the story, both old and new, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so we have all of this. To be a disciple means to be open. It means to be open to something small that can grow into something more. It means being open to people, open to experiences, open to something you've been seeking for. 
It means that we, as a disciple of Christ, have to be willing to share our opinion, our image, and our perspective. And we've been doing that here at Chapel of the Seas all summer because we have been listening to different voices and perspectives from those who have been all across the world. And today, we hear from Abigail Bridges. I've invited Abigail to come. She's been in the Dominican Republic for about a year now. And I have invited her to come back to her home church so that she can share with you what the kingdom of heaven has been like for her. Hello, let's see if this wants to work for us. Hello, can you guys hear me? Is it on? We're good. I'm not used to this, so I have to get used to it. Hello, good morning. Um, This is my first church service back in the States, and so I need you guys to make me feel a little bit more at home, okay? So we're going to do a little call and response. So I'm going to say, buenos dias, and you guys are going to say it right back to me. Are you all ready? I need it to be loud. I need to feel like I'm at home. Are you ready? Buenos dias. dias. Perfect. I was going to do another one that might be a little more complicated. We're just going to do it. I'm going to say this. It means God bless all of you guys. And you guys are going to say back amen or amen. Dios te bendiga a cada uno de ustedes. Amen. Perfect. Now I feel better. Now I will say I'm used to church services that are about two and a half to three hours long. So I hope y'all just settle right in, get comfortable. Arturo and Marion are going to forgive me if I go a little over our time here, but I'm going to try to go as fast as I can. I'm just kidding. It'll be it won't be that long, maybe a little longer than y'all are used to. But anyways, um, my name is Abigail Bridges, like Marion said, and um, I grew up here at Roswell United Methodist, um, came to Ch- Chapel Roswell for years and years, and so, and that is my niece, Eleanor, if you hear her, she's just cheering me on. So <laughs> um, I'm so happy to be back here with you guys. It's very nostalgic for me. Um, it's very special for me to be back here with you guys. Um, when Marion and I were discussing what this week's theme or these verses were, were going to be about, she was sharing with me that it would be Matthew 13 about these parables and the kingdom of heaven. And so um, I actually got back last Monday, and so I was quickly reflecting just on different ways that I've been able to see the kingdom. What does the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God look like for me? What does that mean? Um, I think that in our current age, we use that word, you know, kingdom work, kingdom of heaven often. Sometimes, you know, in the Lord's Prayer, we might say that every week. And it kind of is a term that maybe has become a little cliche. So I just want to even say in the Lord's Prayer, we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In this scripture, it talks about the kingdom of heaven. And so thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But what does that actually mean? So for the present time that we're in, this doesn't mean the literal, you know, embodied form of heaven, but it does have present implications and applications for us. And so the kingdom of heaven is a kingdom of grace, of love, of righteousness, of peace, of mercy, and of salvation. And so the kingdom of heaven is God's intended purpose for us. It's a right and restored relationship with him, in short, the gospel. And so it's a vision of the world that is reordered around the grace and the love that we find in Jesus Christ. So um, I'm going to give you all a little more context about why I'm here after I read this. But as Marian said, this, this looks different for every believer. It looks different for every child of God, because just like 
we have as children different relationships. You know, my brother's here. We have different relationships with our parents, naturally. The same thing, we each have different relationships with our creator and with our father. And so I studied a book this last year while I was in the DR with some women from my church. I went to um, University of Tennessee for undergrad, go Vols. Um, and I studied a book this, this past year while I was in the DR called The Soul of Desire by Kurt Thompson. And this book gave me a really cool new context to look at what does the kingdom of heaven look like. And that based upon beauty and desire, which might, might sound a little strange for you guys at first, but I'm going to give you more context for it as I go along here. Um, to start us out, I'm going to read this quote. And after, again, I'm going to give you all more context about why I'm here after this. But I just want to read this quote from the book with you all. It says, Everything we imagine we must do to practice for heaven by creating beauty in the ash heaps of our world, be they marriages or toxic waste dumps, it all begins with desire. In this world of brokenness, that which is broken was not always so. It is merely the outgrowth of defiled desire. And for the world to be redeemed, God does not destroy desire. Rather, he resurrects and renews it while using it to renew everything else beginning with us. So the kingdom of heaven starts through Christ's redeeming work in us, and his kingdom is revealed to us from and through that starting point. But until we have that relationship firmly established, we cannot necessarily, you know, have that experience. So once we have that relationship, we're able to see, we're able to desire, and we're able to experience the kingdom of heaven. And that's what I'm here to talk to you guys about, how I've been able to see the kingdom of heaven um, manifested, portrayed this past year while I've been in the Dominican Republic. So I have been in the DR in a city called Juan Dolio um, this past year doing an internship for an anti-trafficking organization called Lily House. Um, we're currently working in prevention with teenage girls. And so for the past year, I have been living alongside five, now seven, teenage girls. As you guys can imagine, all living under one household is a little hectic. But um, it's been an incredible, beautiful life-giving experience where I've been able to see the kingdom of heaven portrayed in so many different ways, but I did want to choose a few of those experiences to share with you guys today. And so I chose these based on um, how they mirror some of the parables specifically that we read today. So as we go along, I'm going to share a few things, um, and I'm going to be reading scripture at a few points so you guys can just follow along with me. So we're going to start out with Matthew 13, 31 through 32 about the mustard seed. So it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. So to give you guys a little bit of context about how I got here, um, I figured out in April of 2021 that I was graduating from college a semester early. And that may not seem that crazy, but um, it was that upcoming December. And so I had all of this stress and this pressure of, oh, I have to figure out, you know, what I'm going to do with my life three or four months early. So in that time, I started praying through things um, and really felt like the Lord placed a timeline on my heart, which has never happened before. That was a, that was the first time thing for me and somewhat 
makes sense since I had been, kind of had my life planned out by school up to this point. Um, But that timeline was to stay in Knoxville to finish out my lease, move abroad for a year to a Spanish-speaking country, and then begin grad school. That may sound really comforting to you guys. You may be like, wow, when is the Lord going to give me a timeline for my life? When am I going to, you know, get this clarity and everything? But at this time, I had no idea where I would be working in Knoxville, no idea where I would be moving abroad, and no idea what program or what school that I would be going to for grad school. So there was a lot more uncertainty there than there was certainty. And so I began praying through this, talking to different places in Knoxville about where to work, talking about two different programs, the different countries I had been to. And I really didn't feel peace about any of it. So roll around, I had graduated college where in January of 2022, I just graduated. I got a job at a domestic violence shelter in Knoxville. And I, at this point, I'm six months out from moving abroad. To where? I still didn't know. So I was looking around, looking around, talking to all different people and didn't feel peace with any of these programs. All one day I'm on Instagram, I stumble upon a missionary connected to this umbrella missions organization stumble upon a website, this is all in the matter of 30 minutes, read one sentence about Lily House and have more peace than I had experienced about any of the other programs that I had talked to. Um, At this point, I didn't know what to do. Started doing a little bit more research on the organization and in a matter of about 15 minutes, I clicked on their Facebook and three hours previously, prior that same day, they had posted something saying, we're now praying for new interns and missionaries. That was the Lord's kind of slap in the face for me. Over the next few months, I began praying about that. It was confirmed. I'm going to go through this part quickly because I want to share other things with you guys. But while I was in the DR, had no idea where I'd be going to grad school. The Lord, I'd given up on that. And I was in the DR. A program actually came down, a master's program um, with social work, which is what I'm going to be doing. And they did a trauma workshop at a different anti-trafficking organization in one city over from me. Through that, I uh, got connected, and I am now starting grad school in three weeks and had no idea as of April of this year that I would be doing that. So I say all that to say that just as the kingdom of heaven is portrayed as a mustard seed, starting as something so small and growing into something so much larger, the Lord used this timeline of mine like that. And we each have things in our lives that the Lord can use like that, that start out as a small desire, this small idea, this small thing that the Lord can just grow into something that we could never fathom. And he's still doing so for me. And I know that he's doing the same thing for you guys or will do that if you allow him to. So the next scripture I want to read is Matthew 13, 44. I'm gonna be jumping around a little bit here because these parables jump around. And so I'm gonna jump around with them. So it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So once I was in the DR, you must be thinking, oh, finally you have, you know, this, this certainty that you're there, that you're feeling good. You're in the place that the Lord has you. At first, it was not like that. I was incredibly overwhelmed. I felt useless because I had some base language skills, but I didn't have enough to connect with the people that I wanted to connect with, to do the work that I wanted to do. I didn't have an exact role at Lily House at that time. I didn't have community and I was out of my comfort zone. I was lonely. I didn't know what I was doing. And I was trying to grip onto anything that felt normal or comfortable because it was all so new and so unknown and so overwhelming. And one of the things that you guys should know about me before I say this is I have a, an avid love for 
plants and flowers. Um, that may sound silly. You may be like, why are you sharing about this in, in a sermon? But um, I will tell you. So I had many plants in my house before in Knoxville. There's something that may, makes me just feel at home, makes me feel like I have something to care for. And it's a form of self-care for me. And so that was another thing that I didn't have with me, right? So about two days into my time at Lily House, I'm still, you know, uncomfortable, you know, in that fight or flight mode. I'm walking down one of the parts of the property. And all of a sudden I look up and I'm face to face, literally face to face with a plant. And not only was this any plant, this was one of the plants, house plants that I had in my house previously, my favorite plant. But this thing was a monstrosity. I mean, like 30 times larger than my house plant, right? Um, and you may be thinking, why are you talking about this house plant? But this moment meant so much more for me than it may seem at first glance. It was not a coincidence. This was the only plant that had been left there from the previous property was owned by a plant nursery. This plant had been left there. It was in a plastic container. It had gotten so big that it had broken out of its plastic container by itself, had rooted itself in the ground. And this is a plant that nobody took notice of. Even the director and the founder of Lily House said that she had no idea that it was there. But I just started bawling because this small thing, like something else in your life, it may not be a, a fig tree, but for me, this showed me how much the Lord cares for me and how much he cares for each of his children, how much he cares for my desires, your desires, and our longings, and for us to be drawn into deeper awe and fear of him, even through small things such as a plant. One way that the Lord reveals his kingdom to us is through our own desires, which we might never think that he can use. For me, that's maybe plants, but for other people that could be cooking. If you're like Trey or you're like Kramer, that may be golfing. And it could be taking care of your children. It could be working out. It could be drinking coffee. I don't know what that is for you, but like the hidden treasure whose value is not seen on the surface and has no initial significance, eternal significance, your desires can be turned into something so unexpected and so glorious for his kingdom's purpose. And so I'm going to keep rolling. I want to get through all of these things quickly. But one other thing that I'm, I'm going to read is Matthew 13, 33. And that says, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. So some of the sweetest and most valuable moments to me from this past year were moments that from an outsider's view and from my initial view would be seen as meaningless, typical, mundane moments, moments that you wouldn't consider ministry, you could say. They would just be considered daily life. But when I showed up in the DR, I had this expectation that anti-trafficking was going to be easily visible, easily measurable, these notable moments, right? So the way that most people would probably imagine when I say human trafficking or sex trafficking. And because of that, I really struggled when I first got there because these were not the majority of the moments that I was experiencing. Instead, I was brought into a space with five teenage girls who from the outside looking in were normal and acted like you would expect any other teen girl to act, right? 
So instead of the let's go out and let's go save five girls or this handful of girls from, directly from the hands of abusers, I was standing next to a teenage 16-year-old girl scrubbing burnt rice off of the bottom of a pot when she was, would rather be sleeping or on her phone. It might sound familiar to some of you guys, maybe not the burnt rice part of it, but that was the moment that I was in, right? And it took a few months, but I had just this overwhelming revelation at one point that I was in the midst of ministry itself, and I was in the midst of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is embodied through living alongside people, scrubbing their dishes with them, encouraging them to take a shower, holding them or comforting them when they're crying or just wanting to give up. Or, as I found myself this past Monday, less than a week ago, peeling potatoes. Um, Less than a week ago, I was sitting on the deep freezer at Lily House and at 7 a.m., drinking a freshly poured cup of Greca coffee, if you guys know. If you don't know, you need to know. <laughs> it's so good. And I was talking to one of the lilies as she was peeling potatoes. And I just, I lost it. Because moments like these, just like this one, became the spaces where I experienced the kingdom of heaven. Kurt Thompson says, with every endeavor we undertake as God's stewards, regardless of how brief and insignificant the moment appears to be, we're being invited by the Trinity to create beauty. Anticipating the beauty we create will itself bring connection, healing, commissioning, and further beauty to the world. So something that started just like yeast, barely visible, barely measurable, meaningless at first glance— had grown into the encompassment of my entire experience there. I just want to encourage you guys not to fall into so far into your, to your routine daily that you forget to look for the kingdom of heaven in these moments, in the daily minuscule things, in the laundry, in the coffee making, in the bathing your kids, in the commute to work. His kingdom, like yeast, is expanding. It's growing in those moments. Those are the moments where, where he is working. And so lastly, if I'm allowed to, very quickly conclude, sorry, again, not trying to have a two and a half, three hour service, but I might put you all a couple minutes over. (laughs) Um, I just want to share one quick way that I think that the kingdom of heaven is portrayed to each of us, no matter where we're at in life, and that is through stories. Obviously, the scripture that we read today shows us this as Jesus shares with us six different parables or stories that reflect the kingdom of heaven. And I just want to say that that potential is housed in each and every one of us as children of God. Each of us are storytellers and we're story keepers. And we tell stories and we hear stories every single day, whether we recognize it or not. Um, It took me months, actually. I'm typically a person who's very open and very vulnerable with my story. I think that it, it it's something that comes naturally for me, but it took months, and I mean months, probably four, for me to be able to share my testimony with the lilies, the girls that I was working with. And that was one, because of the language barrier, two, because of the cultural differences that I was afraid of, yet I was urged over and over and over and over again by the Spirit to share my story with them. I finally did it, and I had one of the lilies come up to me afterwards, squeeze me as tight as she could, and whisper in my ear in tears, thank you, or in Spanish, gracias. And um, 
I didn't know until last Monday, the night, actually last Sunday night, a week ago today, the impact that that had had on her. Um, we were laying in bed. She was told me that I, she had to sleep and she had to tell me something. And she opened up to me about some of the deepest, most intimate parts of her story that she's only shared with two people before. You don't know the impact that your story is going to have on somebody. This is just one example, a small, small example of the impact of a story or a testimony. And I've had countless experiences throughout the past year where I was able to either translate a testimony for somebody or sit down with the lilies and hear parts of their stories that are just you know, so difficult to tell, or I was able to tell my own story um, and see the power and the transformation that is housed in those moments that, um, that can be experienced in those moments. And so I just want to finish, again, a couple minutes late, by encouraging each of you to recognize the potential in your story, regardless of what it looks like, um, and the opportunity that you have also to hold the stories of other people. Um, as a child of God, the kingdom of heaven is living within you and will work through you as its vessel if you allow it to. The kingdom of heaven's already here is as he's dwelling and reigning, and you have the ability to be part of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So will you join me in doing so? Kingdom of heaven looks like a timeline. The kingdom of heaven looks like a plant. The kingdom of heaven looks like potatoes. The kingdom of heaven looks like a story. The kingdom of heaven looks like a lily. And the kingdom of heaven looks like a church member. Be open to the kingdom of heaven that will reveal itself to you this week. See your image and come back next week and tell us. Let's pray together. Gracious and holy Lord, I thank you for the rich heritage that you've given us. We know that your love is like branches on a tree that continue to grow and grow and bear fruit. And I am grateful for your daughter, Abigail, and the work that she has been a part of. May it continue. And may the treasure that she left in the DR, may it continue to be found and picked up and used and continue to work within us so that we may bring your value to people we meet along the way. Help us to, Lord, envision a world more closely to the vision that you have. So use us in our homes, in our schools, so we can tell your story and we can share your love. We thank you too, Lord, for this first round of first day of school. Be with people as they're shopping for new shoes and new clothes. And may they be mindful of the many who can't. And may they be a part of donating and giving and offering all that they have in their home to help another home in need. And as we continue to share our gifts, unite them so that all of your people can be fed and clothed and protected and no safety in that home and in every relationship. Lord, it is in this space that we are grateful for the kingdom that we see and we are hopeful to be a part of the kingdom tomorrow. We pray all of these things in the name of your son, amen. Let's stand together 